<laughs> yes, wasn't that worship set amazing? Oh my goodness, what a blessing, what a way to start 2023. But here we are, the first day of 2023. And that means that this is the day in which 92% of us are just three short weeks away from the shame and the disappointment of blowing it once again and giving up on our New Year's resolutions. And actually that percentage only applies to the 38% of us who actually make resolutions because apparently 62% of us, we don't even bother because we know failure is inevitable. Happy New Year, everybody. So it's no wonder, I think, that there's this new trend that's becoming really popular that rather than making New Year's resolutions, you choose a word for the year. Have you heard about this? It's just all you need to do is you just choose a word that throughout the year you're going to think about and you're going to focus on. That sounds a lot easier, doesn't it? And just in case you need some help with how to determine your word for the year, I Googled this. First, you, you go through these steps. You reflect on the past year. Then you visualize what a perfect day would feel like for you. Then you start creating a list of words that just pop in your head. You just write them down. And then from there, then you start to review your list. And you narrow it down. You narrow it down until finally you just get one word. And then you ask yourself, am I committed to that word? Now, if you want, you can go through that whole process or... Or you might want to take the easy way out and just go for the word for the year that I'm suggesting that we all embrace for this year. Would you like to know what that word is? Yes. Here we go. The word is move. Move. Now I'm going to spend the rest of this message telling you why I think this is a really good word for the year for all of us here at FCF Church. And we're going to start here. Does anybody know what this is? It's our church logo, right? Do you know what it means? I have people ask me that all the time. Well, the cool thing is that this little logo, these two little chevrons, we call them, they're this very simple yet powerful way of illustrating our mission as our church. And this is our mission as a church. Every time you go get coffee, you can see it on the uh, wall above you. Helping people reach their full redemptive potential in Christ. You see, it's all about movement. It's all about movement. Our goal as a church, it is not to simply just help you have a better life. Our desire is to help you to move and to move toward your full potential. The potential you have to become the person that God created you to be and live the life doing the kinds of things, those things that he has equip, equipped you to do, he has gifted to you to do, and that he is calling you to do, to make a life of impact during this time you have on this planet. And you know, it's my, it's my personal belief that I think deep down, deep down, that is what every human soul longs for. We actually long to reach our potential, whether we realize it or not. Because you see, we want to know that we lived our best life possible. When we come to the end, we want to say, man, I laid it all out there. Lived my best life possible. My life mattered deep down. Sometimes it gets buried, but deep down, that is what I believe every soul, human soul longs for. And this is why. This is where this belief comes from for me. It's from the very beginning in Genesis when it talks about human beings and how we were created, it says that God, the God of the universe, God created humans in his own image. 
He created them to be like himself. He created them male and female. You see, our God created some of us as male and he created some of us as female, but all of us, all of us, he made to be just like himself. We've been given the DNA of our creator. Isn't that amazing? I mean, we are divinely designed with this capacity to experience and enjoy life the way he does, at the level he does. We have this capacity to think the way he thinks and, and to see life the way he sees it and to feel what he feels and, and to love like he loves. There is enormous potential inside every single human soul. And I think then, I think it, it's this reality of this potential that's inside of us, I, I think it actually creates this longing in our souls. I mean, just deep down, we just kind of sense, I know my life can be better, I just know it. There's something in me that tells me it can be better. And, and deep down, I, I just have this sense, I know I can be a better person, I know I've got it in me. And I think then every new year, this comes back around, this longing, we're just reminded at the start of a new year of this longing and we're awakened to it once again, at least for a moment, at least for three weeks of the incredible potential that's inside of us. The potential to have impact, the potential to make a difference for my life to matter, for my life to matter. So let's talk about potential, okay? Now, I don't know if you know this, if you're aware of this, but it's, it's quite interesting, this little fact about our potential, and it's this. Our potential is actually hidden. Your potential, it's, it's hidden, and my potential is, is hidden. So if that's true, if what I'm telling you is true, then the logical question we need to ask is what? Where do we find it? If it's hidden, where do I find it? Well, let's look back at our mission statement once again. Our mission statement is helping people reach their full redemptive potential, where? In Christ. In Christ. The two most critical words in this statement are at the end, in Christ. You see, these are the words that give this statement power and substance. Without the in Christ, it's nothing more than just sort of a pop psychology affirmation. It's just a catchy little slogan. In Christ gives it, gives it its, its power and its substance. So your potential and my potential are found only in the one who made us. The one whose image we bear, according to Genesis. And it's his image in us that, that, that defines and it determines our potential. And that's why I love the way the Apostle Paul explained it or wrote it to the believers in the city of Colossae, the Colossian believers. He said it this way. He says, your life is now hidden, hidden with Christ and God. Who you really are, really are, who I really am, it's hidden in Christ. And so what that means is that we will only find our truest self our authentic self, our real self, with all of our potential, we will only find that person discover our real selves in the context of a relationship with Christ our creator. Even Jesus himself, 
He said it this way when he was on the planet some 2,000 years ago. He says, I'm the vine and you are the branches. If you stay joined to me and I to you, you will produce plenty of fruit. You'll reach your potential connected to me, your source of life. But apart from me, a branch away from the vine, what happens? It dies. It's worthless. Apart from me, be separated from me, you won't be able to do anything. You won't be able to do anything. Apart from a trusting and growing relationship with Christ our creator, folks, we will fall way, way short of our God-given potential and all that it, we're actually capable of. We'll fall so short of that. Our potential is hidden, but it's easy to find. So easy to find. We find it in Christ, our creator, as we move toward him in trust, in trust. So, so that answers our where question. So the natural follow-up question to that then was, well, how exactly does this happen? How, how does this all work out? And you see, I, I think if we don't understand the process or the processes that God uses, then we are likely to never reach our full redemptive potential. So let's look again, once again, to our source of truth and understanding about God, about ourselves, about life as we go to the book of Romans. And listen to what it says. It says, for from the very beginning, God decided that those who came to him, meaning those who returned to him in trust, trust was broken in the garden, and now it's restored as each person individually makes a decision to put their trust in Christ our creator, return to him in trust. So God decided that those who came to him in trust, and all along he knew who would, he knows, he has foreknowledge. What did he decide? That they would become like his son. You see, God's plan for those who move toward him and trust is to move in us and change us to become just like his son, Jesus, the one whose image we bear. And because it's his plan, he makes us a promise. And I love this promise. As a, as a brand new Christian, I remember reading this in the book of Philippians, and it just is one of those that has stuck with me my whole Christian life. It's so important to me. The Apostle Paul told the believers in Philippi, he says, he, me and Christ, our creator, he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. You see, this is saying that once we move into a restored relationship of trust with Christ, our creator, then he will move and work in us and he promises, he promises he will never, ever give up on us. You see, we get, we get frustrated, right? And, and we're likely to get discouraged and we get disappointed and sometimes, it, man, it's even so bad, we get disgusted with ourselves. And what do we do? We just give up. But folks, we can never ever project those feelings onto our God. He feels none of those things about our failings and our shortcomings. And he will never ever give up on us. He will never, ever give up on you. And that might be just the whole message for somebody here today. You've given up on you. But Christ, your creator, he's here, here on January 1st of this new year to say, I will never, ever give up on you. 
As we sang that song, The Blessing, and when we got to that line over and over, he is for you, he is for you, he is for you. I looked around, and I don't think there was a dry eye around me because the reality of that, he's for me. He will never, ever give up on me or on you because he who began a good work in you and in me, he will carry it on to completion. That's his promise. Now, that's some pretty great news, isn't it? And a matter of fact, as I read that and I think about that, it, it seems like I don't really have to do anything then, do I? I can just let go and let God, right? He's going to do a work. Hold on there, buckaroo. <laughs> Hold on. Because there's other places in Scripture that tell us some other things, like in Ephesians, when, when Paul wrote the letter to the uh, believers in Ephesus, he tells them this. He says, put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires. And then he says, put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Well, dang, that sounds a little different than the other one. This sounds like I've got some work that I have to do in order to reach my potential. So whose job is this whole reaching my potential thing? I mean, is it God's job or is it my job? The answer to that is yes. <laughs> yes, it is God's job. And yes, it is my job. You see, reaching our full redemptive potential is this beautiful collaborative effort between us and Christ, our creator. When you came in today, you were handed this small, round, some of them were kind of ugly, rather unremarkable, object. I hope you haven't eaten it because it's not a snack. <laughs> and someone was asking me earlier, is it an onion? Is it a bulb? I mean, is it, is it garlic? And I said, no, it's a bulb is what it is. It's a bulb. You see, this odd little thing has tremendous potential inside of it. If, if we were to dig a hole and bury one of these deep in the ground in the fall season, but I'm kind of wondering, I'm still going to bury mine today. It's warm enough. I'm going to try it here in December too. But normally in the fall, then something beautiful and amazing will emerge and pop out of the ground come springtime. Something that looks like one of these. It's amazing. How, did, how does this happen? What happens, because God the creator, he performs a miracle in the ground. He, he does what only he can do, something only God can do, and he completely transforms these into those. Wow. Could God do this all by himself? No. No, God needs a person to first bury the bulb in the ground. Now somebody's thinking, oh, Kim, what are you saying? God doesn't, doesn't need anybody in order to do his work. He's God. He's not dependent on anyone. He can do whatever he wants. God can do whatever he wants. And he can do it however he wants. And that's what makes it so utterly amazing that he chooses. He chooses to depend on frail, weak, sinful human beings to carry out and accomplish much of his work. 
He chooses to invite us in, and, and not just invite us in, but even depend on us in the process of reaching our potential. You see, we read that God's plan is for, for us to become like his son, Jesus. So it's really important for you and I to understand what I'm gonna call God's developmental principles, okay? The, the principles by which he works in us, and the first one is this, it's collaboration. God chooses to bring us into the process with him, to work with him. You see, rather than just forcing his will on us, we have to want his will for ourselves. And we have to want it enough that we're willing to work with him, to partner with him, to work alongside him. Without cooperation and collaboration, it doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. The second principle is this, time. You see, God is never about just zapping and bring a, bringing about instantaneous change. His methods are usually always time and process, time and process. The bulbs go into the ground in the fall, but it's months, months later before they emerge as something new and something different. And you and I, we're just like these bulbs. We're just like these bulbs. We are rather plain and unremarkable, but tremendous potential lies within us. Potential to become something amazing, something beautiful, something spectacular. But reaching this potential, it takes time and it takes effort on our part, cooperation with what God is doing. So that brings us to this last big question that we need to answer. If it, if it takes something, work on my part, well then what must I do? You know, what is this work I need to do? What must I do in order to reach my full God-given potential? Our job, your job, my job is to move. Simply to move. If we want it, if we want to reach our potential, if we want to be better with lives that are better, we need to move. In order for God to move and work within us, then we must move ourselves into the right environments. We're the bulb. So we must move and get ourselves in the ground where God can do his work and develop and grow us into something beautiful. Now some of us might be thinking, move, yes. Yes, that's what I've been waiting to hear. I need to move away from my job and those people at work that are just so daggone difficult to work with. Or I need to move away from my family because my relatives drive me crazy. Or worse, I need to move out of that marriage and away from that spouse who just doesn't understand me. I need to move and get away from the difficulties and the discomfort because obviously, obviously, God doesn't want me to have to struggle like this. Listen carefully. No. That is not the kind of move we're talking about. Developmental principle number three for us is struggle. You see, God uses the struggles in our lives to develop us and strengthen us. Without struggle, we're not going to grow patience and endurance. 
You know, without struggle, we're not gonna develop compassion and mercy. Without struggle, we're not gonna become those who forbear, bear with one another, and those who forgive, and so many more. Struggles develop us, and they make us more like him. Christ our creator. Moving away from struggles will lead us away from our potential. Moving away from struggles will weaken us. So where then are we to move? If you're saying move, Kim, what are you talking about? Where are we to move? We need to move ourselves closer to Christ. You see, I don't think we often think about this, but, but trusting in Christ it's just the beginning of a restored relationship with our creator. And then from that point on, it's all about growing closer to him. You see, it's a lot like a marriage. Think about it. The day you say, I do, that's just the beginning of a life in which two people will either grow closer to one another over the years with each passing year, or they grow further apart from one another through each passing year. And here's the thing, growing closer to your spouse doesn't happen by accident, never. Never known it to happen by accident. It's always the result of intentional effort. So side note, we are hosting the XO Marriage Conference on March 4th and 5th. This is a wonderful opportunity, mark it down now, to make an intentional effort to grow closer to your spouse. When it comes to growing closer to Christ, our creator, here's the thing I think, I think we have an, another invisible problem. Actually, this is the first invisible problem. Later on, I'm gonna tell you about another one. Invisible problem, what were you talking about, Kim? We're the creator of the iPod and the Nest thermostat, a guy named Tony Fidel, he actually coined this term, and it means this, an invisible problem is a problem that we don't think of as being a problem, why? Because we're just so used to it. You're thinking of all kinds of things in your life right now, aren't you? That explains a lot right there. Well, our invisible problem is the fact that we are actually living very abnormal lives, an abnormal existence right now. Because you see, normal is Adam and Eve in the garden with God. Before they were deceived by Satan and broke trust and suddenly wanted to run and hide from God. Prior to that, that catastrophic, catastrophic event, normal was just walking and talking with their creator face to face, this closeness with their creator, intimacy. And that's what normal is supposed to be for every human being. We're meant to live in the fullness of God's presence, close and intimate, feeling completely safe, completely comfortable and loved all the time. That's what normal is supposed to be for us. But in this broken world where sins still exist, we settle for so much less and we think it's normal. I mean, I, I thought about this, many of us, and I've thought about my own self. We do our best to obey God's commands and, and we pursue spiritual activity and, and, and experiences, but in many ways, in so many ways, we are still running and hiding from a close and intimate relationship with Christ, our creator. I mean, even though we trust him, it, for some reason, we just, we, we prefer to keep him at a comfortable distance. The closeness, the intimacy, it scares us. 
So we keep ourselves busy and distracted. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? So if we're serious about reaching our full God-given potential in this life, then you and I, we need to move. We need to move closer to Christ. And I think there are three environments where we need to move to and plant ourselves deeply in, in order to find closeness with Christ where he can do a work in us. And and so these three environments I wanna touch on, there's no surprise here. And nothing is gonna be like, what? I didn't think about that. You're gonna be like, yeah, we know this. This is the basics, Kim. But sometimes we need to be reminded of the basics. And not so much of the what, but of the why. The purpose behind them. So my hope is that you will see these differently and rather than just spiritual activities or experiences or obligations that you may feel them to be, I hope you will now see them from this day forward as opportunities in 2023 to draw close to Christ, your creator. The first environment we need to move and plan ourselves in in 2023 is in his word. One of Jesus' disciples, John, he repeatedly referred to Jesus by this name. He called him the Word. Look at, in his gospel, he says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We read this at our Christmas services. The Word. And it's talking about a person. The Word became flesh. That's Jesus. And then later in one of his letters, the letter of 1 John, he says, he is the Word of life. You see, Jesus is the Word, and some 2,000 years ago, the Word came to our planet in human form, giving us this full and complete revelation of God, showing us what God is truly like. Now today, the way we encounter the Word, the Word comes to us now in a written revelation, God's Word, the Bible. And the Apostle Paul, he says it this way in his letter to Timothy. He says, all scripture is God-breathed. God-breathed. That's saying that the scriptures are the very breath and the voice of our God who longs to walk and talk with us in the garden closely and intimately. So here's that shift. Every time we go to the word, to the scriptures, we're not just reading a book. We are encountering the living God, the word himself, our loving God and creator, Christ Jesus. I I remember Randy, who often tells the story of when he first came to Christ in his 20s and when he first started reading the scriptures. I remember the first time he ever told me this and and he shared it many times. He, He says, as I was reading the scriptures, the Bible, I felt like I was being read at the same time. It's because it's not a book. We are meeting a person We're meeting with a person when we encounter the scriptures. I think that's why Pastor Randy cries so often because he's in God's word all the time and he's not just reading it. He is meeting with and connecting closely and intimately with Christ, our creator. So as we move ourselves into God's word, as we plant ourselves there daily, folks, drawing close to Christ through his word, then God can and will do a work in us over time. I think sometimes we wanna, we wanna have that experience and then we wanna immediately feel different. He's like, nope, nope, you just get yourself in the ground and over time, you're gonna discover the difference that that made in you 
and in your life. But we've got to move and plant ourselves there in his word. Another side note, January the 12th is our next basics class. In just one night, we give you an overview of the Bible because you may be like brand new and you start reading, you're like, how do I meet God? I don't understand what I'm even reading. Basics will give you the basic understanding of how the Bible is laid out. And Diane Higginbotham, the wonderful teacher who's been teaching this for years, she will help you learn how to connect with Christ, your creator, through his word. So that's going to be in your, it's in your program today, and we'll be announcing it in weeks to come. Second way we can move closer to Christ is in moving closer to his body. His body. Hmm. See, the Bible tells us that Jesus is the word, but then it also tells us that the church is the body of Christ. In Ephesians, it says it very clearly. The apostle Paul said the church is Christ's body. It is filled with him. You see, Jesus gave up his physical body on a cross to express his sacrificial love, the depth of his love for us all. But today, his physical body still lives on through his church. Every time we come to church, like right here on this January 1st, 2023, we aren't just coming here to sing some songs and hear a message. We are encountering the physical body of Christ on the planet today. When someone hugs you, you're getting a hug from Jesus. When someone smiles at you, you're getting a smile from Jesus. So through this experience, we are drawing closer to him And folks, again, the basics, it's why it's so imperative that we are in this environment on a weekly basis and in person, if at all possible, because there's something that our souls get from this environment and this experience. There's a way of connecting with Christ, our creator, that we cannot get any other way. But then there's another deeper encounter with the body of Christ that our souls, your soul, my soul, also desperately need. In the book of Acts, um, we find this historical record of the early church. And look what it tells us about the early church, the very first church after Jesus was resurrected and then ascended. They worshiped together regularly at the temple each day. For us, it's like the weekly worship. They met in small groups and homes for communion and they shared their meals with great joy and thankfulness. Did you catch that? I did highlight it for you. Met in small groups. You see, from the very start of the church, Christ followers, they seem to just understand the importance and the value of spending time with smaller groups of fellow followers who they knew personally. You all know you can come in here and be real quiet, sit by yourself and leave and not know a soul and not a soul know you, right? This is about being in an environment where you're known, not just your name, but where stories are known. People who know you and care about what's going on in your life and you with theirs. Some 25 years ago, I read this book that there was one quote, the whole book was great, but one quote in particular has stuck with me for 25 years. I returned to it again and again. It was a book by Larry Crabb called The Safest Place on Earth. And he said, in a, he said, a spiritual community, in a spiritual community, people reach deep places in each other's hearts that are not often or easily reached. 
spiritual togetherness. It creates a what? Movement. Well, what kind of movement? Togetherness in Christ encourages movement toward Christ. I love that. Being with fellow followers in small groups, when I'm with them, they know me and I know them and we know what's going on. That's spiritual community. That's togetherness in Christ. We're gathered, be, we, we, our connection is Christ and our love for him and desire to follow him. When that happens, it encourages me to keep moving closer and closer to Christ. See, togetherness in Christ is absolutely essential for me to reach my full redemptive potential in Christ. You know why? Because without it, I got a tendency, and I'll bet you do too, it's to drift. I'll become complacent. I'll lose my passion. Become more self-absorbed with petty things in my life. And even more easily give in to temptations. But when I'm regularly together with fellow followers, it moves me. It moves me toward Christ. And when I'm closer to Christ, then I'm moving closer and closer toward my God-given potential. Next week, we begin registration for our winter semester of growth groups, small groups, groups at FCF Church. And without a doubt, my hope and my prayer has been and continues to be that you will move and plant yourself into one of these small group environments. But even with my hope and prayer, I know we're up against some problems. You know, the first problem is this. The first problem is we got a time problem. As Pastor Pete says, I'm busy. This is so funny. You wanna hear something funny? Back in the 1960s, expert testimony was given to a subcommittee of the Senate on time management. These experts, they told them they believed that because of all the advances in technology, within just like 20 years or so, people would have to radically cut back on how many hours a week they worked or how many weeks a year they worked or they were gonna have to retire sooner because the great challenge they said, these experts said, is what would people do with all their free time because of technology? That's hilarious, isn't it? 60 some years later, our greatest challenge in regard to time is not what to do with all the excess that we have. Jobs, kids, dating apps, Netflix, TikTok, pickleball. We are busy people. How are we supposed to fit a group into an already overloaded schedule, right? It's harder than ever before, but that doesn't make it any less important. Matter of fact, I think it really magnifies the importance because there are a whole lot of things in this life moving us away from Christ rather than closer to him. May not be out and out sin or evil, but it's distraction. I think it highlights and magnifies the importance. Second problem we have is a fear problem. I mean, sometimes we're just afraid that this whole idea of a church group, I'm just not spiritual enough, or, or I, I don't know enough about the Bible, I don't know anything about the Bible, so that's intimidating. And so we're afraid that we might look stupid and unspiritual, you know, or that people will judge us. Not to mention that it's scary just to join a group 
of, of, with a group of people that are a bunch of strangers. You don't even know them, right? I mean, what if they turn out to be really weird? <laughs> it could happen. Well, I can promise you this. I can promise you that we worked so hard to create groups where all people, and we work with our leaders so that all people feel comfortable no matter where you are on your spiritual journey. And for those weird people, I, that one I can't make any guarantees. But, but I can tell you this. So often, once we hear someone's story and we begin to understand them and their life, they're not so weird after all. Neither are we once people get to know us, too. Third problem is this. This is the one I already mentioned. It's, an, uh, it's a yet another invisible problem, a problem that we don't think of as being a problem because we're so used to it. And you see, we tend to think of being in a small group as kind of, it's just like a bonus. It's an add-on to your spiritual experience. And our invisible problem is that we just don't realize how much our souls need this kind of one another connection. Where instead of like sitting here and just facing forward, and I don't really, I can just say hi and that's about it. Instead, we sit face to face. We listen to other people and their stories. We talk and we share. And this, in this exchange, suddenly we begin to care about each other. And in caring, then we find that we authentically begin to know each other and love each other. This one another connection, it's spoken of throughout the New Testament scriptures. And actually, if you count, there's 59 one another's. You know, do this with one another. But I want to zero in on two of them that I think our souls desperately need, but it's kind of invisible to us. We don't realize how much we need it. And it's something that we can get in this environment if we plant ourselves in a small group. Romans 15, 7 says, accept one another just as Christ accepted you. It's one thing to get the acceptance of Christ, but then from another person to be accepted. Every human being longs to be accepted simply for who they are. You know, we long to be accepted without having to prove ourselves. And we long to be accepted just with all of our flaws and our failures, without pretense. You know, this is just who I am. Please, just love me for who I am and all my mess. And folks, accept, acceptance, it's the soil that we need for healing. It's where we need to plant ourselves in order to be healed and then begin to grow. But right along with acceptance, we also need something else, and that something else is encouragement. You see, love accepts us as we are, but love doesn't stop there. Love encourages us to change, to reach our God-given potential. In 1 Thessalonians, the Apostle Paul says, encourage one another and build each other up. And what he's saying, he's like, help each other find the courage to live the life that you know you're capable of living. Help each other find the strength to stop doing those things that God says destroying you and start doing and keep doing those things that are gonna move you toward your God-given potential. Encouragement. Encouragement is the soil that we need to get rooted in 
in order to stay strong and then to persevere, to keep on keeping on moving toward our potential. Our souls desperately, desperately need a place where we regularly get this acceptance and this encouragement from the body of Christ in a very up close and personal kind of way in order for us to move toward our potential in Christ. But the truth is too, it's more than just getting these things. It's also in the giving. See, look at our, look at our logo one more time. You notice there's not just one chevron, there's two. And that was, very, that was for a very particular reason. It's not just about each of us reaching our potential, but it's also about us helping someone else, helping each other all reach our potential. You see, our souls need to be in this one another environment where we can regularly get acceptance and encouragement, but we can also give it, give it. And it's in the giving that our souls truly just come alive and the image of Christ is more and more restored in us. Our souls need a one another kind of connection where we both get and we give acceptance and encouragement on a regular basis. But to get and give this one another connection, then you and I, we've got to be willing to move. To move and plant ourselves in that environment. Because in a spiritual community, people reach deep places in each other's hearts that are not often or easily reached. Spiritual togetherness, it creates a movement, a movement among our church, within our church. Togetherness in Christ encourages movement toward Christ. So as we close, Will you hold up your bulb? Hold that in your hand. And let's just all take a look. This little bulb has incredible potential to become something beautiful, magnificent. But it won't happen unless someone moves it into the ground. Unless someone plants it in the right environment. You and me are bulbs. We're bulbs. We have amazing potential inside of us because we possess the very DNA of our creator. We are made in his image. But the only way that you and I can reach this potential is by moving closer to Christ our creator. By planting ourselves in his word and meeting him there daily. And then planting ourselves in his church, in his body weekly in the large group of, of experience of teaching and worshiping together, but also in that small group environment where we can connect with his body in a very personal, one another way. Giving and getting love by accepting one another and encouraging one another regularly. So we all know, 2023, we're gonna do a lot of moving, aren't we? We're gonna be going here, there, and everywhere. But my hope and my prayer, it has been and will continue to be, that we as a church, every single one of us, we will intentionally move 
closer to Christ, our creator, and closer to reaching that potential that's inside of us. We're gonna close out our service um, by doing an exercise, a practice that Jesus himself taught his disciples, did with his disciples that to help us move closer to him, we're gonna celebrate communion together and Pastor Pete is gonna lead us in that. So let's just pray together. God, we thank you for another new year. And more than anything, I thank you for the reminder that you are for us and you never ever give up on us. Thank you for that promise that you've shouted at us this morning. Thank you as we start this new year. And God, in this new year, may every single person here, I pray our souls have been stirred, that Lord, we will move closer to you, to Christ our creator, and we will plant ourselves in your word and in your body so that we can experience closeness and intimacy with you and that we can move closer to what you've gifted, called, and equipped us each to do, our potential. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.